Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, everyone. Hope you're having a great day so far. Welcome back to a new episode. Today's topic is one that I've been wanting to talk about for a really long time, but for whatever reason, I felt a little bit nervous about talking about this, and I don't really know why. I just feel like I haven't really known how to approach this conversation, but I feel like a few of the episodes that I've done in the last few weeks have really made me think further about this idea and just with certain transitions happening in my own life have also made me think a little bit more deeply about this idea of loneliness, but also finding community. As with any conversation, I feel like it's important to give a bit of a backstory as to my relationship with this topic and the evolution of how I think about this topic and just generally my life experience over the last couple of years as it relates to loneliness and how that's led to me having this deep longing for community. And I feel like I've definitely talked about this before on episodes. And to be honest, I need to stop saying that because of course I've talked about things before, but I feel like for a period of time, predominantly in my adolescence and you know, into university and after university, sort of during that chapter of my life, my primary focus seemed to be building out my future and, quote, finding my purpose. And I would say that what I internalized as the things that should be my priority during this period are career and relationship. And You know, it's interesting to consider how at times this can create a very individualistic approach to life and this feeling that you're kind of on your own path and you're on your own. And I feel like I actually derived quite a sense of self-worth from being independent and I really associated my value with the degree to which I could do things on my own. I could prove myself and my place in the world. And, you know, I could chase a certain career. I could accomplish a certain thing, all based on these ideas and these sort of values that I began to identify were not truly my own. And There was a really poignant example of when I began to realize that this path that I was going down wasn't necessarily one that I was feeling super connected to. And it was when I realized how 
ultimately disconnected I felt from family and community because I was on this track and my focus was career and you know finding a relationship and building my life I wasn't as connected with community and family and the example that really solidified how important those things were to me was actually when I was working a nine to five and my grandma and my mom came to visit me in Ottawa because I was living in Ottawa at the time and that was about six or seven hours away from where my family lived. So they came all this way to visit me and I think they were there for like a weekend or, you know, four days, let's say. And I just remember you know, the frustration and sort of the anxiety I felt at only really being able to see them on my lunch break and how even on my lunch break, I was so distracted and I was so stressed out by my day that I really couldn't be present. And I feel like in those moments, I tell myself, well, I'll have another opportunity and, you know, I'll be able to see them in the future and it's fine. But what I've kind of realized is like if I keep telling myself that and I keep building my life around, oh, I'll get there in the future without actually prioritizing it right now, I may never actually get to have those experiences. Something that was also happening parallel to me trying to build out this career and chase after the success and find my place in the world and foster this sense of independence was I started experiencing some mental health challenges and specifically I started experiencing a lot of anxiety. Now that has been such an evolving journey but one of my initial ways of responding to the anxiety that I was feeling was to kind of protect myself from my triggers to incubate myself in a way and when I think of how I approached dealing with anxiety at the time it felt like it was easier for me to distance myself from people and to not be seen in this state of like struggling and you know while I did feel perhaps peaceful in my little bubble or zone of protection the more I began to separate myself from certain relationships or routines in order to either avoid anxiety or to avoid being seen being anxious, I began to ultimately feel this deep sense of loneliness. And, you know, when you're feeling vulnerable and you don't really want to be seen in that vulnerable state, sometimes it feels like the easiest answer is to isolate. I kind of feel like I was operating under the premise at this time that in order to present myself to others, in order to be connected with others, I sort of had to be in my best form. And the other aspect of, you know, why I feel that I started to become very lonely and kind of self-isolate is because I would argue that I almost saw my desire to connect with other people. So in other words, to be loved and appreciated and accepted I almost saw this as sort of a weakness because I feel like I actually used this desire to connect with others to fracture my own relationship with myself. What do I mean by that? I mean to say that my desire to be accepted at times, especially, you know, in childhood, 
And in the period of my life where I was trying really hard to fit in, my desire to be accepted made me not really accept myself. And I feel like my efforts to connect with other people and to be included and to be, you know, loved and accepted by others came along with this idea that I had to change things about myself in order to achieve that experience. So I associated fitting in with a sense of almost self-abandonment. So I saw it as a weak thing to want to fit in, to want to be included into a community because, again, at some point I associated that with needing to change things about myself. So you can kind of understand I'm painting the picture of why I became very lonely during this period of time because kind of a combination of the track that I was on and the narratives that I was operating based on was that you know during this period of your life in your 20s you should be focusing on your career and building a future and that kind of does very much feel like a very individual track and then coinciding with going through this experience from a mental health perspective where I felt like I had to isolate myself because it wasn't necessarily something that was going to be acceptable to others and it was almost something that I felt was a little bit shameful and therefore I felt that I had to hide away and then like I mentioned the sort of last piece of that puzzle of why I wasn't really making an effort to seek out community was because all of my efforts prior to that point to fit in to be included came along with a sense of almost self-abandonment and I was in a phase where I just didn't really want to do that anymore. I didn't have the energy to package myself in such a way that I felt I had to in order to be accepted. So my response to all of these experiences was to distance myself and to isolate myself, as I mentioned, and just to generally lose sight of the value of connection and community even in some of our lowest points and actually how that can be a really nourishing supportive experience and it's not a sign of weakness and we don't have to assume that being ourselves and having a community are mutually exclusive. I find I learn a lot about myself and my values though through contrast and it's almost like it took me isolating myself and feeling really lonely to realize just how important a sense of connection and community is and to be able to reframe my desire that had been there that whole time for community and connection reframing it in such a way where it doesn't have to mean that my actions are driven by receiving validation from others or altering myself to belong. I feel like as I started to prioritize connection and community a little bit more and building my life around those values, I started to shift the way that I saw my sense of belonging and viewing myself as sort of a puzzle piece and seeing my piece as being able to fit into the puzzle perfectly. I had just been trying to force myself into the wrong space. And because I had been doing that, I kind of picked up this idea that there wasn't really a space for me in any community and that I wasn't 
capable of finding those connections. And I've, like I said, since reframed that idea and recognize that I do have value to offer to a community and I am capable of finding those connections and it starts with being open to them and not viewing the desire for connection and relationships and friendship as a weakness or something to even be embarrassed of. So this realization came in waves but like I said also in really poignant examples like the one that I mentioned of only really being able to see my mom and my grandma who were visiting from out of town came all this way to see me for short periods of time during which I was distracted and stressed or exhausted. And being in those positions and realizing, you know, they were kind of telling me something about my values and there was a misalignment with my values and the situation that I was in. And I feel like the emphasis on individualism, especially when you're kind of starting your career, it kind of assumes that we'll be able to get to the things that matter to us later, like community and like connection. And what I've found is I would rather build my life right now around the values that are really important to me and be able to spend as much time with the people that are really important to me than assume that I'll have that opportunity in the future. And going back to the point that I made at the very beginning of this episode about how my primary pursuit for some time was this idea of finding my purpose. When I wrote this down in the episode notes, I actually remembered something a mentor of mine from years ago said. So her name is Dr. Laura Batson, and I've mentioned her a few times on the podcast. She really resonates with me. A lot of her teachings really resonate with me. And she ran this course a few years back. It was during COVID and it was called Liberate Your Curve. And it was it was all about kind of reconnecting with yourself and with the environment and also with others. And she just spoke to how fractured our relationships with ourselves and the environment and others can become and how we can find our way back to those connections. And she really helped me actually to reframe my desire for belonging as something to listen to and to honor and to follow versus something to reject. And I want to read out a teaching of hers. She had this workbook that I picked back up when I was writing down notes for this episode because it speaks really well to, you know, what we're talking about in this episode. So this is a quote from that workbook from her course, and it says, when we say to know where you belong, we mean to know your purpose, not just your purpose, but your purpose in relation to all other beings' purposes, to know how you fit within the whole landscape of purposes. It is called relational purpose. That is something we have forgotten, not just what is my purpose, but What is my purpose in relation to every other purpose? That is what we mean when we say to know where you belong. So I thought that was a really nice lead-in to this episode because it sort of validates this desire to find this sense of belonging. And I think that for me, it helped to understand why I had this desire and to validate it and to not look at it as a weakness. Because, you know, if you're like me and you have this association of desiring 
belonging with behaviors rooted in self-abandonment. Like for example, if in the past your way of connecting with people has been to hide certain parts of yourself or kind of play a certain role or just abandon yourself or really seek out validation. Well, I think that there's a great opportunity to reframe that idea because of course, that may not be something that you want to continue doing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the only solution is to abandon yourself. It may point to the fact that the way you've been seeking out community hasn't been the most supportive to your relationship with yourself, but it doesn't mean that there isn't a community out there for you that will accept you in a way that you feel more comfortable with. At least those are things that I've told myself and it's been a really helpful reframe. So again, for me, I think what I realized is it's all dependent on the way that I approach building community and connecting with others and finding that sense of belonging. And I think it has been worthwhile to begin to see the value in community and connection because societally what I can observe is that we can see the value in our careers and in our productivity levels and even in our health and fitness routines but sometimes it feels like in the way that we prioritize things maybe we forget how important connecting with each other really is because there's not like an immediate result that we can show for a good conversation other than the way that we feel and the well-being that we we can experience as a result of being connected. I do think that it's interesting and I've only just scratched the surface on this to look at some of the Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The research that points to connection and well-being and longevity and I've definitely mentioned in episodes before about how one of the most the best examples of this for me was my grandma who I witnessed have such a thriving community and such a thriving social life right up until the time that she passed away and it was just such a powerful example of how important that was and it really put that into perspective for how important it was to me as well. I was listening to this audiobook about finding your people and finding your community and it was kind of talking about how although human connection can be one of our biggest sources of pain, it can also be one of the biggest sources of comfort and of well-being and of healing and I find that my interactions with others always help me to, at the very least, learn more about myself and in many cases to heal certain wounds, to pick up on certain patterns and be able to identify if that is something that I want to continue operating from. And so within the past few years, I've just been reflecting on, you know, okay, how can I initiate this process of forming connection and what does that journey look like to me because it may look very different to every single person and what every single person has the capacity to or how you have the capacity to connect with others may vary and I think that's totally okay I think sometimes I see people being able to maintain huge circles of friends and sometimes that feels a little bit inaccessible to me but I think that when I think about having a small group of connections for where I am right now and really trying to strengthen those connections, that feels really good to me and that feels really nourishing and supportive. Another thing that my mentor said to me that has stuck with me and I'll never forget it is her saying, you know, I was expressing that I felt like I was lacking community in a certain area of my life, specifically people who I could connect with who had similar attitudes to me about certain things and who I could talk to and have conversations to about certain themes in my life that would feel positive and uplifting and exciting. I expressed to her that I was feeling a little bit lonely in that department and that I didn't feel like I had that circle of people around me at the time. And I remember her saying that sometimes if you're seeking a community, you have to be the one to create it. Or at the very least, you have to be the one to initiate that. Because I think for a period of time, and especially when you're used to social connection being pretty accessible in school and in work, I think I kind of just assumed that it wouldn't require much effort on my part. But 
I've since learned that that's not necessarily the case, and the effort that it requires to form connection isn't necessarily like something that I would classify as hard work, but I think it requires initiation and participation and consistency and vulnerability, which can be uncomfortable for sure. So my takeaway from what my mentor shared with me that has kind of stuck with me ever since has been when it comes to community and connection to not necessarily wait to be invited or wait for somebody else to initiate that, but to put myself in the sometimes uncomfortable position of putting myself out there, putting myself into new environments and new spaces, taking steps to form new connections, initiating those connections, which again is something that feels very vulnerable to me at times and feels very uncomfortable to me at times. The reason that I wanted to do this episode wasn't necessarily to position myself as someone who knows everything there is to know about building community. I would say it's quite the opposite. It's to speak to the fact that I have felt lacking in that department and I felt lonely in that department and I felt like I don't really know where to start and that I don't really have a template for how to go about finding community, but that I have this deep sense that it's really, really important. And the loneliness that I feel tells me that maybe that there is an opportunity to form deeper connections. And I don't necessarily think this means having friends or having a circle. I think that a sense of community isn't just about the quantity of people that you have in your life. I think it's about the quality of connection and the ability to be vulnerable and be seen in various states and various points in life and to be able to still lean into that sense of community and to be supported and allow yourself to be supported and then also to be able to extend that to other people and it's something that I don't really know that I've ever personally experienced on that level outside of my family and I still have an interest in starting to explore that and it's something that has become really important to me to be able to prioritize in my life to reflect on my values and to reflect on the things that have held me back from finding a sense of community. I did put out an Instagram story sticker a couple of weeks ago asking for anonymous submissions on this theme of community, so I'm going to start to read through some of those. This first one says, I believe that community is a really essential part of the human existence and that we are missing a quote, natural community these days. People move far away from home, have loose connections with their families, and that's why new types of communities become so important, like elderly people living together or cross-generational houses. These are new types of houses, or sorry, these are new types of communities that are being built in Germany, and I think it's so important. A lot of people are lonely, which makes me sad. We need community. That's such an interesting point of, I actually saw a TikTok about this topic of like living situation and how for the first time in a really long time, more people than ever live alone and how we see that as being like the ultimate goal and we feel bad if maybe we can't afford that or maybe we feel bad about ourselves if we have periods of time where we live at home. But I mean, 
to what this person is saying, there are so many different types of living situations. And even culturally, I know there are so many different cultures where it's actually a completely normal thing to live with your home or with your family until you are married and you leave home. And why have we decided that the best and most kind of ideal blueprint here is that we have to move out and make our own way and never need that support after we've left and that it almost feels like a bit of a shameful thing to go back and spend time with our families. And I have definitely gone in the opposite direction where I've gone out and done my own thing and gone to university and moved away and I'm actually really missing and wanting to go back to being close to my family and kind of really appreciating the time that I've had away and all that I've learned. But the best way that I can describe it I've been talking to friends about this a lot is sometimes it just feels like you're a bird out of its nest. Like you'd never feel that sense of safety and security and familiarity when you feel that sense of being alone and not having those long connections. And I know that that can be rebuilt. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. You can find community anywhere, but there is something to be said, provided that, you know, we have a relationship or a positive relationship with our families for physical proximity. I I just have gone back and forth with this so many times about, you know, being close with my family, but not really having the normalcy of just being able to stop by and, you know, spend evenings with them and just lean on them when I'm having a rough day and just the comfort of that. And so I definitely agree that whether it's family or whether it's finding that in new types of community, I think that that is a very important kind of need. And without it, it just, for me personally, feels very isolating and lonely and sometimes even a little bit anxiety provoking you feel so exposed to the world alone and I do agree that I think that it's so important to be able to feel connected with people and to feel that sense of safety and comfort that we can find in communities okay another person said definitely been feeling the loss since graduating college and I think sense of community remains small unless you intentionally find an aligned group to surround yourself with which is hard yeah I definitely resonate with you know losing those structures of school and in my case full-time work and being a part of systems that lend to socializing and forming community and it's a little bit easier because it's kind of just there that it can feel really hard and lonely and almost like we don't really know how to navigate like forming connection sort of from the ground up and I do agree with the part about you know intentionally finding aligned groups I think that it can be difficult but it doesn't necessarily have to be because I think There are so many people from what I've learned that are in the same exact position who it's almost like we're waiting for each other to initiate that process. And I was talking to a friend about it and we kind of recognized how much assumptions about other people stop us from connecting with each other. For example, she and I basically both felt that we always assumed that the other person was busy and we didn't want to bother them, but we were both just kind of waiting for the other person to initiate 
a hangout or a connection. And I think that that can be said for community building is sometimes I'm operating from the assumption that people are too busy. People don't care. There's nobody out there that, you know, is aligned to me and my desires. And I just have found those assumptions to have been proven wrong many, many times to the point where I try not to let them stop me from going about putting myself out there and forming community because it's important to recognize that I do believe it's a vulnerable thing and we're all going to feel that to varying degrees of depending on our experience socially. I know for me at times it's felt very, very vulnerable and it's almost like a habit that now putting myself out there and trying to make connection feels kind of second nature. But yeah, I think being able to feel the fear of putting ourselves out there and then not allow that to stop us from doing something that's really important to us and that will potentially add a lot of value to our lives. Okay, this is a submission where someone is kind of giving advice about how they've found community. It says, any clubs, meetups, educational courses, fitness studios can make me feel part of a community. Even local restaurants or cafes cafes sorry can give me that feeling if I go several times and get to know the staff definitely at a point in life where I do feel myself searching for that community aspect and need a safe space to connect with others with similar interests slash like-minded so this response actually brings up a good reflection for me which is something I was thinking about when I was creating this episode sort of questioning what are the building blocks for me of feeling a sense of community and what are the things that I can look for to begin to get that ball rolling and start the process. And so I kind of reflected on times where I have felt a sense of community and then sort of deconstruct that to look at why that is. And one of the things that came up was having something built around a shared interest because in some cases it's almost like you can pre-qualify that that may be a good indicator that you will connect with people at that event or in that space. So if the shared interest is a social justice cause or a particular hobby, well then you already know that you may connect with people at the very least on that level and it's kind of like a good building block to be able to start to form those connections. Another one for me, which sort of this person spoke to, is repetition and almost a ritual. I do think that although I have since left the church community and I'm not really involved in church anymore at all, I do look at that sort of as a blueprint in a way to being very conducive to community building. And a lot of people will say that, that that's why they like being involved in the church or that's one of the main reasons is that pre-built community. And so even thinking about the fact that if you are attending something like a church service, something about that that for me is sort of applicable to this conversation is the repetition of it and the reliability that every Sunday, for example, you will be in that space and you will more than likely see the same people and you don't have to really think a whole lot about it because it's just part of your routine. It's part of your ritual. And then again, you have that kind of common interest. And the thing that I find about 
having things that are sort of ritualistic or even routine, like this could even be having a weekly or even monthly dinner with a group of friends that you have pre-scheduled, you know it's in your calendar, is that then it doesn't feel like an additional task that you have to make time for because you already are kind of building that into your schedule. And also I think with having something routine, that has been really helpful for me because you avoid you know, the many scheduling errors or scheduling complications that can happen when people are busy. You just kind of know that this is something that we do every week, whether it's like a going out for coffee with a group of people or even one person or going on a walk or going to the library or doing an activity. And that for me, I find in moments where I've had that kind of setup with certain friends has been the most connected I've felt with those friends. And I remember my grandma would do this. She would have a Sunday meetup with the same group of women every Sunday. And it just so happened that it was after church, but it doesn't necessarily have to be connected to that. And that was something that I just knew anchored her and almost started off her week on that note. My mom has similar types of schedules. She has book clubs and routines. So it's something that I've witnessed work really well for others. I've seen work really well in systems or in environments like a church. And I've personally experienced myself when I've had that kind of set up with friends and it doesn't have to be permanent. I know that in the case of a friend that I have, she and I and our partners, we used to do weekly dinners and then we kind of got busy and we don't do it as often anymore, but we could pick it back up because we know that we all really enjoyed that routine. Okay, here is another one. Someone said, my immediate environment feels hyper-individual with small niche pockets of community that feel exclusive. It's hard to make close connections. It's weird, but I don't think many people are committed to building community, either because they don't know what it means to them or they're not authentic about it. I feel like I have felt myself thinking the same thing and do still feel that way at times, but I try to challenge that thought because number one, I don't think that it's helpful to build community to believe that other people don't want to do that. I think it's more helpful and more supportive for me to just know that I'm in the process of seeking other people who it is important to. And I do think that it's something that requires rediscovery and a reprioritization at least from my perspective because we're not really taught number one that it should be a priority and number two like how to navigate that so it may be a very new thing that we're collectively experiencing at this point in our lives but I definitely do feel that many people exist and many pockets of people exist that are interested in building community and that are committed to building community because I do agree that it requires commitment in addition to some of the other factors that I kind of hypothesized form the building blocks of community. I do agree that I think commitment is really important and showing up and mutual respect. And I think sometimes when you experience the opposite of that in your day-to-day life, maybe people aren't prioritizing connecting and meeting up or they're flaking constantly it can feel like the people that actually are committed to forming those connections don't exist 
But I don't think that that's true. And I don't want to allow a few interactions or in some cases, many interactions to stop me from seeking what I know is out there, but that I just haven't maybe personally experienced in its full expression yet. And also challenging myself to be better and more committed in the process because I'm not perfect either. But I think the combination of how many people I've seen starting to talk about this and also how many people are responsive to, at least in my kind of corner of the internet, this topic anytime I talk about it and even just how many responses I got to this prompt is a lesson to me that there are people out there that are seeking the same thing that I am and it's kind of my task in life right now to seek those people out and to connect with those people and to align with those people. Okay, here's another one. This person said, based in Portland, I've just begun a journey into working with a community art collective, specifically an Asian American community where they're able to pronounce my name correctly and don't hesitate to ask me to say it again. Compared to other predominantly white spaces where I can tell people hesitate to say my name, so just point or say her slash them. It may seem like a simple thing, but when people can call me by my name, it makes me feel welcomed, loved, and considered. I've only just started to realize this since I used to go by my middle name that's easier to pronounce since it's more common, but recently changed to my legal first name, which feels more like me. Anyways, all this to say, I've been feeling more connected with my community that calls me by the name I identify with and gives me a sense of belonging. What this answer made me think was that sometimes the way we go about seeking belonging and feeling welcomed and feeling included aren't necessarily like complicated things. It can be as simple as feeling acknowledged in our identity, in our name, in the way that we present ourselves, in pronouns. And it can be so simple to just make someone feel included by honoring those things and how that can probably lay the foundation for a really inclusive safe community feel and how some of these preliminary ways that we can show respect and inclusivity to people that are in our community really are very powerful and I can actually really relate to that experience of having a name that is difficult to pronounce. My name is Irish and a lot of people where I'm from don't know how to pronounce my name and I actually, this answer made me realize how nice of a feeling it is when people do make the effort and, you know, even to ask questions and to be able to connect about where my name is from. And it's just an entry point to being able to include and understand people a little bit more. Okay. And then I'll read one last answer before we wrap things up. This person said, I found social sport and communal living slash shared housing have helped me have a sense of community as an adult. This can take some trying and testing. For example, I've lived in houses that didn't work for me and joined teams and tried activities that weren't the right fit for me. But after trying a few different places, I found the right people. Helps to pursue slash try hobbies you genuinely enjoy, but this can also be a launching pad for friendships that can persist on their own beyond your common interest. This is a really good point, I think specifically about the experimentation and the trial and error that can be involved in finding that sense of community. And kind of like what I said at the beginning, if the first 
entry point to connection doesn't necessarily go well, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything wrong with you or that person. It's just like this person said, not the right fit. And there isn't a cohesiveness in some of those connections and that's okay. And I think learning to be okay that every connection or learning to be okay with the fact that not every connection will hit it off for me has been really validating because it allows me to just kind of experiment and try new things and try different hobbies and interests and put myself out there in new ways without expectation that that is going to be the thing and if it's not then there's something wrong with me or there's no hope for me and just having an open-mindedness and a willingness to kind of seek that out like I said I can look at it as my little task if I see myself as this little video game character who's like on a mission or on a journey to find its people sometimes it can take a couple of little tasks in between and a couple of failed attempts but to allow those kind of I won't even call them failures but those experiences that didn't go in the way that we wanted to allow us to not try I think that's when we internalize internalize excuse me this idea that our community isn't out there but like this person said, trying a few different things and just being willing to move through those and not hold any resentment when things don't work out. I think that I agree that that has been something that also has been quite helpful for me. So I feel like we covered a lot of territory in this episode. It was a lot of new conversation and discussion and reflection for me. So I'm really excited to hear how you liked this episode if you want more of this type of conversation i'd love to hear you know what i could explore further and any feedback that you have so the two main ways of doing that are to either leave a response right on spotify there's a little feature should be at the bottom of the episode where you can submit a response if you're listening on spotify or i have an anonymous submission link that you can leave a comment or a question or something for a follow-up episode and that will be in the show notes as well so thanks as always for listening i really appreciate you being here and i'll see you next week hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.